12th house. How are you doing? I'm living. I'm feeling the effects of Mercury retrograde. It's hard hitting. It's coming in (laughs) fast, hot, fierce. It's true. And the full moon, like these bags under my eyes, Mm. they do not lie. The full moon is real. I'm feeling the vibes, but what a wonderful conversation we had with today's guest, Katie Dalebow. An OG in the podcasting world. Truly. Like she is the grand dame of podcasting. She's been doing this for 10 years. That was not shocking yet shocking. Has been in the game (laughs) forever. Her podcasting kit was really a big help when we started to get this podcast off the ground. It was integral in us yeah. starting not just one, but two podcasts yes. within oh. within one year. Oh, that's how we do it. Liked it so much, we did it twice. But she continues to be an inspiration. To be that consistent of a creator is truly remarkable. And that's part of what we're doing over the next few weeks, including our wonderful interview with less of Balanced Black Girl last week. We are talking to creators who have built all different types of communities. And it's just so fascinating to watch their journeys and talk to them about it. Yeah. And Katie is a full-time creative. So for anyone out there who is balancing their day job and wanting to make content or putting out their podcast by night or writing their sub stack on Saturday mornings before the rest of their household wakes up. I think she's such a great example of like, yeah, that's totally possible because I do remember when she had a full-time job and she was podcasting full-time and she's made that transition and that leap. And it's something that we talk about a lot in Creators Cashing In, Mm -hmm. our Notion for Magical Baddies class. I think it's the last class I'm teaching before I go on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. It's big. Cash me outside, you guys. Like if you if you want to get in, it's going to be a while. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. This is such a good time of year to get into that kind of creative, juicy, somewhat hermity vibe. Not totally. that you need be- to do that. but No, it, it really like I love this. I can relate to that. I love this time of year because I don't feel pressure to like make a bunch of new things and get a lot done. But I do feel really supported and planning for the next for what's ahead. Mm -hmm. Like what's going to happen in 2023 or then in Q1 of the next year. And I think kind of just knowing the potential pathways. And that's why we wanted to have Katie on and to show people an example of like what it looks like. Um, can demystify that process so much and make it so much easier. Be like, okay, wait, I can do this. And like, I just have to take it step by step. So that's what we try to teach in Creators Cashing In. But like I said, I think Katie's such a great example of that. And she's so honest about her struggles too as a creative and a self-professed squiggly brain as well and how she makes it work for her. We get into so many different things. Also a lot, you know, kind of a side tangent about friendships and adult friendships and maintaining those, which is interesting because that's something you and I have been talking about a lot, just, you know, like privately as we navigate new stages of our our life. So we're going to be talking about that more. But she, at the end of the episode, really gets into the details of how she edits her podcast. And that was so interesting to me. I was like, wow. I was like, keep going. Tell us. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's so different than how I edit, but also how... It's, it's so similar to how I take in information, but I never really thought of editing the podcast that way, nor do mm-hmm. I think I would be able to do it in the same way. But I just loved her take on it because she's somebody who's really embodying figuring out the best process that works for you. And just because doing it the way that someone said you need to do it doesn't work for you, that doesn't mean you need to abandon it. And she really embodies that. And it was just so nice to hear. I love when people get very specific about how they do things. Same. I'm like, tell me exactly how you do it. Like, exactly. Don't tell me how you wish you did it. Tell me exactly how it goes for you. And 
her process is fascinating. So yeah. you're going to have to stay tuned and listen to that. It's at the very end of the episode. But the other thing that I really liked that she talked about was our attachment styles and how that shows up in friendships. And so often going and forging your own path, either as an entrepreneur or maybe a spiritual person or a creator, it can feel solitary because you're making something yourself, especially when you first get started. And it's hard to find other people who can relate to that, especially your maybe current friend group or people who have you've been close with in the past. And again, I admire Katie so much because she's so good at maintaining connections with people. And that's like a skill that I hope to get better at. Mm. And remembering people's names we discovered. Something I'm bad at, something that Katie's great at. <laughs> so good at that. Someone said to me the other day, you're great at remembering names. And I was like, oh, you must be terrible at it because if you think I'm good. <laughs> I was like, well, it's all relative. <laughs> no, but Katie actually is. That's. I remember I met her super briefly once and then ran into her again. And she was like, Wallace. And I was like, well, I know you because you're a celebrity to me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so she's she's so great. It was such a treat. Yeah. So if you are thinking about starting a podcast, if you're an adult <laughs> looking for friends, if you are someone with a nonlinear squiggly brain, I think you'll really like this episode. If you're someone with an anxious attachment style, I think you'll love this episode. If you're a human trying to live <laughs> in this weird body on earth. <laughs> if you're a human being, you're yeah. going to love this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we hope. Cool. Well, without further ado, here's Katie. Katie, welcome. Hi. It feels like we're in the presence of podcast greatness. We truly are. We, it's not that it feels like it. We just, we definitely are. That is so nice and an honor. And I don't think true, but I also don't have a microphone. So I'm, <laughs> I'm the one of us that my microphone setup didn't happen today. You know, we're edging like dangerously close to Mercury retrograde. So it's honestly not your fault. Thank you. <laughs> but you're here and we're so happy and we wanted to have you on because you are the creator archetype like you are always making and creating and figuring out how to make things because you love making and because you're so good at it and that's something that I've always we've known each other for a long time now like almost five years I think Katie and that's something I, I like constantly admire in you is that you're willing to just try projects and experiment and also that you're incredibly consistent at the same time. Like you've had your podcast for so long and that is so impressive. So truly an honor to be talking to you. Oh my God, you're really buttering my bread. This is gonna, I've been getting enough <laughs> dopamine off this to last me all week. Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, I feel the same way about, about you, Michelle. Like I am so in awe of everything that you've done and created just in our friendship. It's been, I told you this before, like at, at dinners that we've had, but to see holisticism from when you started to now is truly wild. And getting to meet you, Wallace, who you're just saying, like, I'm so happy for you. And I'm so grateful to be here. When I got this email, I like responded instantly. And I was like, oh, that's gonna be so fun. Well, before we get into the hard hitting questions, how did you guys meet? We were at a, a not to be named co-working space. And you came to visit me and we had like the best chat for like hours and hours and I think we I mean we must have met on the internet in some way or connected by someone but then we met up like really soon after we met on, on the internet like days after something wild like that 
And then every other time you came, we would either meet there, do something. And then I came to LA and we did an event together. That was really cool. And Mm -hmm. then we just have been like pals ever since. It's true. Yeah. You're really good at this. Like you are an extroverted introvert, I feel like. Like you are a healthy dose of both because you are so good at talking to people. You're open. You're like down to meet up with people. That is not who I am, like in my nature. And our we ask a transparency question at the top of the podcast. And you can there's two questions. You get to choose which one. And I feel like I actually I know which one I want you to answer. So the first <laughs> question is how much money do you make? The second question is how many friends do you have? You can choose either an- question to answer. And I'm like kind of I kind of want you to answer the friends one if you feel open to it. I mean, like, to be honest, I can't really answer both, but I think both are related. <laughs> and and I'll say, this. look, I have a lot of friends. I can't even count them. <laughs> and I, I think related, I don't make very much money. <laughs> like, it, it's something I need to work on, actually, especially that I'm, you know, I, I keep making this joke to my multiple, multiple friends that I'm doing really great for like a 20 five-year-old but I'm 32 and so it's like I need to kind of you know I get into saving and you know but I really like my life and I think it can be distracting to have my, my grandmother said you can count your true friends on one hand and mm. I think there's some truth to that you know like I think you can only really be close with about five people at the same time And you can only really be a good friend and like show up to about five people at the same time, you know? And, and even if you think about it, like when you're going through something like to talk about it and to like really share the beats with somebody, I I don't want to do that with more than like five people (laughs) because it's, it's kind of makes you sit in your own shit to to talk about it. Or if, you know, things are really great, like it's, you know, and I, I think about friendship a lot. I read about it. I talk about it because I think the way our, you know, my parents' generation dealt with friendship is really different than mine. And then just the way my life is, you know, to be honest, like it's kind of been a necessity, especially like I've lived in about a million different cities. I haven't been in a long-term romantic relationship since, you know, before the pandemic. And I don't have siblings. I'm not like a someone who's super close with my parents. And so my relationships with people, with friends are really important to me. And like, I mean, you read me like a book, Michelle, of, I mean, you know me, so it's not like completely psychic, but my mom is actually, I don't know if I ever told you this, but my, my mom has worked in HR for like 40 years, the same company. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. And when I was like nine, I'm from Michigan and she went to Chicago, which is like the nearest big city and got trained in, in this thing at the time. I was like two names, Myers-Briggs. And so mm-hmm. I had my first like Myers-Briggs test when I was nine. What? It was like the kids version. Yeah. Oh and so gosh. she she did it to me and, and I would do it kind of every couple of years. But what's wild about it is I've always gotten the same one, which, you know, the Myers Briggs test is like a it's a spectrum, right? So I'm an ENFP, which is the least extroverted of the extroverts, right? So I kind of need equal amount of time 
with people and alone. And I think, you know, to be honest, everybody's kind of like that a little bit, right? Like, I think like if ever, if I'm around people too much, I start to feel overwhelmed and like, where am I even? And then I, if I'm alone too much, I start to, you know, get in spirals and in my head too much. But I think everybody, especially with the pandemic, it's like, even if you're the most introverted, like it's good to see people at some point. And even if you're so extroverted, you need to, you know, so it's like everyone kind of has that, but I definitely identify with that. And I think especially accidentally moving to LA from New York, like, you know, in the thick of the pandemic, I somehow fell into making my, I had to make my own community and my friends. And I really invested in that. And I think to the detriment of, of my work. And you were so kind to say that I try a lot of things, but a lot of that is out of necessity. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm not a great business person. And I, I need to, that's something I actually need to work on. And one of the reasons why I admire you so much, but it's something that I have all these ideas and I've had some success with some things. And I, and I, at a certain point I'm, I'm like, all right, well, I'm okay right now. And I'm going to, I'm very slow and I've allowed that to just be okay. And just know that people are on different timelines and, you know, where I am right now in my early thirties is like, I kind of had more success financially when I was younger and that's okay because I had some savings now and my overhead's pretty low. And so, you know, to answer the question, a lot, a lot of friends, not that much money. I think the two are related because I don't, you know, my, my life is pretty unmeasured. And I think I, I was pretty dogmatic and rigid and focused on working two jobs at once and didn't have that many friends. Even when I was in New York, I had a lot of acquaintances, but not that many friends, but really here in LA, like I've really invested in my neighborhood and my group of friends and, and showing up for people because the world was so destabilizing that I had to create my own anchors because I don't really have that many. We were just talking about this last night. We, we went out to dinner as a team because it was Janelle's birthday. And we were talking about how often like when you're in a relationship, it's really hard to make friends or when you're really focused on your work, it's really hard to create friendships and how it really feels like you kind of have to pick one or the other. Mm. I also think too that it's like we're kind of what you were saying. We have different moments where different things take a bigger piece of the pie. So maybe in New York, it was a certain aspect of your work, but here it's been community. And I think it's interesting to see the waves or seasons that those have in our lives. Because sometimes when you're trying to force a certain thing to happen, you have to really release into like, maybe this is actually a season for me to build community in LA. And that's my work right now. And we talk a lot about, especially on this podcast, what is our sacred work and how does that change at different times in our lives? And I'm kind of curious if you feel that building community has been part of that here and and how you make meaning out of that right now in your life as you're settling into maybe living here for two years, three years. Yeah, it'll be it'll be two years more. It's been more than two years, whenever the pandemic started, I got here days before lockdown, just visiting. And I, my stuff was in New York and I, you know, obviously planned to go back and ship my stuff and never did. And <laughs> I think I'm, I'm really of the mindset, Wallace, like to your point of, of different seasons of things, like so much of life is out of our control, right? Like 
I really think that, again, like there's this great Eckhart Tolle line, I think, where he's talking about, I think, manifesting, right? Like I think someone's asking him about manifesting or something like that. And he says, who do you think you are to know what it is that you want? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. We talk about this so much. I said this to somebody the other day, but go on. That quote? Someone was like, do you have a five-year plan? And I've just never really identified with the idea of making, sure, maybe big moves, like do I want a family? Those kinds of things. But trying to manifest certain things when I don't know what will be in alignment for me at that time feels like a fool's errand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, there's, I think this is, I don't know who said this, maybe Deepak Chopra or something, but there's someone says like, we can only dream in a fraction of what's capable of us. Right. You know? So like, those are all very positive thoughts. And something that I cling to too, when I'm feeling down is a knowing it's like the tides, right? Where you have a bigger sample size, the older you get. So you know that like the tide will change, you know, what comes up goes down. It's cyclical. Like that's all very helpful. And then also to know, you know, things can change in a second. Like I was, yes. I was interviewing someone on Monday and I walked into her house and it looked over the mountains in this beautiful place and it was set up so beautifully and her book I loved so much and I her husband so cool and the whole, and I was just like wow this is incredible and she was so I liked her so much. Like she was so humble and she was, you know, I was like, oh my God, it's beautiful in here. You know, I come in and she's like, I mean, I know it's a lot. Like I can't believe, which made her so much cooler to me. Like it just the whole thing was, was really wonderful. And then I had this bizarre experience, which, you know, kind of, kind of related slightly, not at all, but you know, Michelle, as you know, and, and, and Wallace too, as you know, like I, I started interviewing people. I started doing this podcast that I still do now that that interview was for when I was 22, right? And I'm 32 now. But what's interesting about this is like, back then, it was purely me getting an hour of someone's time that I admired and like getting to ask them anything I was curious about. And so from a, you know, often it was authors or it was very self-helpy and and wellnessy and and spiritually and it kind of you know morphed and changed and the things I was asking were really dictated by what I was curious in, in each in each era but what I realized during this interview was wow okay so here's this person I she's either my age or like slightly younger than me but our lives are so different right you know it's very aspirational to me and i i assumed the same role as interviewer to this person as i did when i was 22 the only difference was when i was 22 the people i was interviewing were about 10 years older than me you know i was a real kind of wonderkin back then like no one really knew what a podcast was in 2013 and they were like this young child basically like <laughs> This infant knows recording material. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this college student knows how to get on iTunes. Like, it must be real. Like, it wasn't like what it is now where it's like everyone knows that it's easy and everybody can have a podcast and it's not that hard. Well, I mean, we push back <laughs> on mean, that, but... <laughs> there's stuff that goes into it, but it's not elite to be able to make something and, and get it to people's ears. And people are, are much more aware of the medium than they were back then. But it was just a really interesting experience for me to be like, wow, okay, this is a different 
era and I'm having to step into like, all right, I am unable to go into it with the mindset of, do you know how Judd Apatow would interview comedians when he was young? Like he would interview Jerry Seinfeld and that was kind of his thing. And I, I was kind of doing that where I'm like, all right, I got to make my own stuff. You know, I'm, I'm moving, I'm feeling like I'm moving into a new era and and to your point you know and your compliment to me from from the top michelle when you were like i try so many things and i and i do and i throw things at the wall and and, and see what sticks but i think now it, it, i'm really moving into like things have cycles and i've i've tried this thing for a while i'm i'm figuring out what's next i i did things very out of order too you know like i wrote this self-help book that came out I wrote it when I was 25. It came out when I was 26. Like, you know, I'm proud and happy. I picked something like journaling that's free and accessible. The topic is journaling that anyone can do. But also I don't, the cover doesn't really suit who I am now, right? And it's not, you know, I probably would have said some different things in there than I did now. And that was a big successful moment, I guess, to, you know, when my mom saw my book in Barnes and Noble, that meant something, right? But but now I'm like, all right, that was, I haven't really had a professional accomplishment of the same caliber since, you know? So it's just like, again, knowing that, all right, well, things can change in a second. And the whole reason I brought up that interview with this person is because I, I something I, I often ask on the show at the end is greatest lesson on romantic relationships. And she she was telling me that she had met her now husband in I think 2018 maybe. And to me, and I guess, you know, I guess it was sort of long ago now, but I'm like, that's not even that long ago. Like things can change in a second. And then you got married like, you know, a couple of years ago and now you live here and like, you know, things are just different for everybody. And I think to judge anybody's timeline or to judge anybody's it's hard because I think we do have these societal markers of success that you know by 30 you'll have these things and by 40 you'll have these things but our generation has had some challenges and and again so much of it is out of our control like I didn't think this would be my life when I was 25 I didn't you know I couldn't even conceive moving to California was like I don't know about you Wallace and Michelle this is so so different for you having grown up here but in the Midwest like moving to New York was so what I wanted, you know, especially our generation, we saw on the internet or on the internet, we didn't really have that on TV, like New York was so glamorized, but I couldn't even conceive like of going West. Like I'd never been to California. Like it seems so exotic to me. So, you know, maybe there's something like that. I don't even know about in my future. (laughs) Oh, totally. It's pretty hard to get a visa from Canada to work in the U S And so everyone that I told was like, good luck. (laughs) Like New York would be easier. California is definitely going to be harder. Like, good luck. (laughs) And I didn't know what was going to happen. I could have never made up the circumstances that brought me to where I am now. Like you, to your point about manifesting so often, you can't even dream up what is ahead of you. We're taking a little break from this tantalizing discussion because as you probably heard us talk about at the beginning, we have creators cashing in one of our notion for magical baddies courses coming up. The last one, as Michelle mentioned that she's teaching before going on a little maternity work hiatus. So we just wanted to mention that and also mention 
that if you're kind of not really sure if it's right for you or where you're at in your creator journey, there is a freebie that we have on Notion that's really great for helping helping determine what type of creator you are and pointing you in the direction of giving you ideas for what content to make. Yeah, it tells you kind of like where your strengths and also areas of opportunity might be. And that is core for anyone who's a creative because resistance comes up always and knowing how it's going to show up for you can help you either get through it or, I don't know, be defeated by it. And we don't want that to happen. We, we need your beautiful work in the world. And Creators Cashing In is our course based off of the Profitable Content Creator Lab, this gigantic class that I built a couple years ago that hundreds of people have taken that we decided to make into Notion for Magical Baddies. So it's all live. It's amazing for people with squiggly brains with ADHD who have a hard time focusing or have never finished a digital course before, this is for you. If you want to make money off of your content or at least learn how you could potentially monetize what you do and the content that you're already making on Instagram, on TikTok, on your email newsletter, on your podcast, you should take Creators Cashing In. There's lots of juicy goods in there. And it's a really incredible community of like-minded people who are both magical, mystical, creative, intuitive geniuses. And it's also great even if you're not like a solo kind of content creator and you're helping someone else with their content strategy or working at a company in marketing or social media, it's really great for kind of like honing your chops in that area. So it's not only just for individual creators. I think so often what people are missing in marketing positions in general is just understanding how to generate really sticky content. And that's mm -hmm. also something that this course really helps you hone in on, which is really valuable. Yeah, we've had many content strategists who end up coaching other people on how to make profitable content yeah. take this class. Yes. <laughs> so there's lots of ways you can use it. We'd love to have you. We'd love to see you. And we'll let you now get back to the episode. Edie, it sounds like you have a sense of equanimity and like understanding of how like your world works and makes sense. Like you, you sound so clear for yourself and I know you're making jokes about like, you know, I have a lot of friends, but maybe not a lot of money, but you also don't seem like broken up about it. Like it, it seems very clear that like, yeah, but that's okay. Like these things are okay. It's just a season. And you know, the name holisticism isn't like a real word, right? But it was a word that I started using to describe like when people asked me what I believed in, be like, well, I believe in like holisticism. Like, I don't know, not like holistic living, but just like a holistic life, like where everything's included, everything contributes to like who I am. So I'm curious for you, like if you had to list out in a sentence or describe what your meaning making system, like how you understand the world right now, what would it be? Like, what's your sort of personal philosophy? Mm. Well, I love the name holisticism. And, you know, I, when I think about that question, I think it, it changes like whatever is paramount to me sort of, sort of is changing. It's whatever's feeling good at the moment. And I think that, you know, the biggest thing is what is it like frame? I don't know who said this, but you are an average of the four people you spend the most time with. Like, I, I really believe in that. I really believe in what we take in becomes part of us. I'm very malleable, right? Like I, I'm a pretty slow learner and slow reader. 
but I have a wildly good auditory memory and I'm really good with names. And I, I always felt like I wasn't very smart and was behind. And my friend Crystal has, has pointed out, helped me to understand like a lot of things in the last several years, including a lot of things that you shared with me, Michelle, have, have been really instrumental in me trying to just understand how I am and be like, all right, this is how, what I have to work with this time around. Like, I'm not going to be able to change a lot of these things, but what am I good at? And trying to double down on that and focusing more on what I do have and less on what I don't. And a, a friend of mine who's a comedian says, follow the dream that's also following you, you know? And I think that's really good because it's like, all right, well, the more I, instead of pushing or trying or, you know, trying to go in a direction that just isn't door that isn't opening, that's too much attachment. So I guess I really live by the mindset of not attachment and trying to not hold too tightly to anything. And there's this great parenting analogy actually about, and maybe you've heard this, or maybe I'm giving you your first piece of parenting advice, <laughs> but it's, it, they say, hold it like a bar of soap, right? Like if you hold it too tightly, it's going to spurt out and go really far. But if you hold it too loosely, you'll obviously drop it. So I try to hold everything like a bar of soap easier said than done. You know, I have moments of being like, oh man, I hope, you know, this is okay right now, but like, I'm not going to feel this way in the future. You know, of course I have moments of anxiety, but I try to just like do what I can every day, take my time. And, and then, you know, the other thing, so like, I guess it would be non-attachment and focusing on, on people, you know, going back to my friend, Crystal, she, she's really helped me to see like, we really speak in human design with each other. I think she sort of knows more about it even than 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 I do. Is she a projector too? Is she projecting no. like you? Oh, you're a projector also. Yes. Two projectors. And I very much identify that with that. And, and Michelle and I have had conversations about this. We even did something for holisticism with this a while ago. Yeah, we did a little summer solstice event on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I felt more articulated by that system than than anything else, and especially being a projector. But Crystal's mom is a projector, and so it's really helped her to see her mom and and myself. Of we're really slow at a lot of things, and we, you know, because our path is like saying hi to so many people and the friend, you know, and the, her mom and I have a lot of parallels and she compared me to have you guys seen Aaron Brockovich yeah yeah I re-watched it a month ago oh really that's funny I love when things like <laughs> yeah well you know that scene where like the new lawyer comes in and she's like this is a mess it's so disorganized like how have you been doing this and she's like in her suit or whatever and and then Julia Roberts as Aaron Brockovich is like which one of those files do you need to know something about like to ask me a question and she does begrudgingly. And then Julia Roberts character is, you know, Aaron Brockovich and she rattles off their name, phone number, everything about their kids, like knows everything. And she, and Crystal so kindly was like, you're like that. And then I thought about him like, Oh, they're like, I reframed something that I felt so bad about as this power that I had. And I've really taken that on as an identity and, you know, even like friends in my neighborhood, like I get coffee with the same dudes every morning and they say to me, like, like I'm really good with names and they all seem to be bad 
with names and they've now like come to me and, and then like wait what was that guy's name or like what is it and, I'm like, okay. and I feel like I'm Anna Wintour or um Emily Blunt character in, in uh, Devil Wears Prada like and I, I feel like I'm kind of doing that and all of that to say I think my big organizing principle is like when I was really really depressed after a breakup and you saw me in the in the thick of that Michelle my my mom left me this voicemail that I will oh god talking about this always makes me cry but I was walking to therapy I was walking through Union Square on my way to therapy and I listened to this voicemail from my mom because essentially I was I had so much on my plate I was working a full-time job and doing everything I do now on the side and I didn't have much left. Like I wasn't that great of a friend. I wasn't that great in my relationship. I was, it was hard. And my mom was like, Oh God, (laughs) she said, I, I didn't teach you this very well. And I didn't really have a choice because my, you know, it's just my mom and she was working a ton. She's never really around. She's, she said, Oh my God, the work will always be there. The people might not. And I've learned that the hard way. And I showed you that the hard way. I hope that you, do what I couldn't and what I, what I didn't. And, you know, my mom, her life has been like making sure I was okay, alive and working so she could do that and taking care of her parents who are now gone. And like, that's kind of it. And so I heard that and I've, you know, it got me to travel a lot and then got me here. And, and, you know, I think also too, like, again, with things being out of my control, like I, I wasn't expecting the pandemic, obviously. So it was kind of like, all right, well, I'm not going to focus on work right now because it doesn't, I don't even know. I don't really want to elevate. I write personal essays about my feelings. I don't know if that's really relevant right now with everything going on and I want to elevate other people. And so I just sat still and I picked a place and I doubled down with what was working and I tried to create relationships with the people around me and you know I'm in I'm in the sort of flow of trying to figure out the hopefully flow of figuring out the next thing but yeah that 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 bit from my mom really got it got in me <laughs> that's a hard one lesson too oh yeah my dad said something similar to me when I went to school for dance he was like, you can always make more money, but you can't make time. You can't get time back. So like, go do what you want to do. And don't worry, like, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out how to make money if that's what you want to do in the future. <laughs> but go be a poor artist. It's all good. And he can't do that. Like he just, he missed that. And I think what a gift for our parents to be able to recognize that and be able to say it to us while we're young, not like while they're on their deathbed, because that so often happens too. So that we like, that's, truly like I think what parents are here for, right? Like I don't want to make the same mistakes that he did. To your point earlier in the conversation, especially when you feel your friends and your community are your chosen family, if you don't feel as close to your family and that's not like your your pod, then around you takes on a different sense of meaning and you kind of have to work with how they relate to friendship versus family too. It's such a important thing to talk about and externalize too within friendships. Yeah. And I don't think it's talked about enough actually, because friendships are really complex relationship, right? I think especially as you get older and I think group dynamics are, are really complex, right? In a group dynamic, 
people are more apt to talk about other people, right? Because it's interesting, you know, it's cozy. It's like, it's fun to talk about other people, but it's not really very interesting. And I try to not (laughs) do it because it teeters on gossip and I don't want to be a part of that. But it sometimes is the currency a group dynamic works in. Yes. Totally. So I'm really trying. And, and I've always been like this. Like I've, I've always been a floater, if you will. Like I'm around a lot. Of, I'm kind of cool with everybody, but I'm not really like the leader of anything, you know, and I'm fine with that. But I think as we get older, it's like what I'm honestly learning is because I have friends of all different ages is like, it's all the same. Like it really like a group dynamic friendship. It's like, doesn't change. It's, if anything, it's like more immature as as you get older. So, and also it's voluntary. There's no contract. There's no, you know, and so I think a lot of attachment theory is coming up for me within these group dynamics. And my friend Maddie at the newsletter I'm about to write or about to send out, I just wrote about this, but basically I was feeling a lot of insecurity, I guess, in a group dynamic friend-wise and and she articulated that book we all read maybe many a couple years ago attached like she she kind of articulated that in a way where I like finally understood that book where she said to me you know for an anxiously attached person to feel relaxed in a dynamic be it friendship be it romantic whatever they need to have some sort of commitment or And that can just be validation of reciprocal feelings, like a text, a plan, like it can be not much. And then for an avoidant attached person to feel good in a dynamic, they need to sense that the other person is relaxed. But the, uh, you know, that's a catch 22 there of like how each of those will work. Right. And so one solution in like a romantic relationship is just be like, those two don't go together. You need to be with someone secure. Right. And just break up. And that's that. But it's more complex in friendships or neighbors or work relationships because it's like, I don't know that that many purely securely attached people right now, but I know a lot of really lovely anxious and avoidance that I'm friends with. And I want to learn to interplay within those dynamics. And so you have to just know that like friendship takes time. You can't force it. As we get older, you know, in our 20s, this is something that Crystal taught me too. We tend to talk about like our woes with each other and want to help each other. And are like, this is so terrible. And I work and like this, and like, you know, but then as you get older, like everyone's shit gets harder, basically, like your parents are dying or kids, you have so, so much, I mean, it's bleak, but it's like, <laughs> like really starts to go down the tube after 30. <laughs> yeah. So then she was like, what you want from your friends is to like, someone to have fun with on a Friday and not talk about that stuff. So it's like, but also some of us need connection and like need to process that with someone, even when you're in therapy, even, you know, whatever, whatever. So it's kind of like just knowing the dynamic and not asking to like, it's, it's a lot of reading the room and I'm very socially aware because I've had to, to a fault again, why I'm like sometimes anxious where I'm like not getting my own shit done because I'm so reading the room and making sure everyone's okay. Like who needs pizza? It's about like being able to know what other people have the capacity for and knowing who to go to and diversifying your portfolio of friends, I think is, is useful. Yeah. 
And to your point at the top about lots of acquaintances and maybe five friends, right? Which I, I feel like is is true for most of us. I think adding the internet and what we share on the internet, especially as creatives who like often share our process and what we're going through and like what is hard, like you write personal essays and you you talk so openly about what you're going through, Katie. When we share that with acquaintances, we don't always get like a, hey, I saw, I saw what you wrote or like listen to that podcast episode or I know what you're going through. And it can be like a little bit weird sometimes because you're like, oh, I got the Cliff's Notes version of your life. But I don't like know, no, but I kind of know. And I haven't exactly like said it to you out loud, sort of like said it into the universe. And yeah. I think that can add a layer of complexity when we're navigating, especially like not those close ties, but the people that we like see, you know, every few weeks or months. Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of teeters on parasocial relationships, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. I've had an interesting experience where I've had people feel like they know me from my work and I'm like, Oh, you kind of do. I, I need to know, know you. But then I've had this, you know, equally as odd situation where I've had a parasocial relationship with someone and then, you know, for the last 10 years punctured it by meeting them and talking to them. And yeah, it is, it is interesting because, and then, and then I've had people that I've, this is another odd thing that I'm dealing with is I've had people in my real life who I've met in person and then they're like, Oh, what do you do? Whatever. And then they've, if I end up getting close to them, it's so sweet and I'm honored, but then they'll like go in and listen to the podcast and, or they'll like sign up for my newsletter. And then that kind of gets in my head of like, Oh, but like which one? And now you're yeah. and like, that's kind of odd too. But then it starts to change where I'm like, I used to do that. I used to teach yoga and whenever a friend would come or someone I was excited about was there, I would, I kept being like, what do they think of that? What do they think of that? You know, like what do they think of the song I played, you know, and I'm catering to one person. Like, oh, I'm cool. Like I need to teach the class. And so then I find myself like thinking about oh, this one person might listen or might, you know, and that's not, and then almost wanting them to like see me and like see no more, like, people who read my stuff might know more about me than a new friend knows about me. And I want them to, so it's all very complicated. It's like the circles of friendship becoming concentric and intersecting. And then you're like, wait, I don't know if I wanted that one Mm, like that. (laughs) And maybe you could go over there or come in here and beyond our control. Well, one of the things we love to also ask, because we're obsessed with tools and always learning about new mental models and meaning-making systems, if there's anything new in your life right now, or it doesn't have to be new, that you feel like is a very great guiding force to keep you kind of on your path in that flow that you were talking about. Could be a book, could be an app, could be a philosophy. Oh, I'm so interested in what other people have said to this this question. It it changes for me often. I mean, my really big thing is walking. Like I need to be walked like I need to be walking like four hours a day, just like baseline. Like I like that you said I need to be walked. I need to be walked. <laughs> I love that. Really, I think more than a lot of the dogs that I babysit, like I need walking. <laughs> Yeah, but like alone time walking, it's really good for my brain to be doing two things like that, where I'm listening to something 
or talking on the phone while walking. As Michelle knows, I send a lot of voice texts and I listen to a lot of voice texts. I'm in long voice text exchanges with friends who don't live here. You know, they'll send me 40, 50 minutes and I'll send them, you know, more than that. Oh, I love that. It's like and very Felicity vibes, how they would yeah, say back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that is honestly like my most consistent, biggest, like just so useful for my brain. And, you know, so voice texting, I guess. And through that, there the Apple iPhone interface for voice texting is garbage. Like if someone calls it goes away, it's hard to hold your yeah. So I use WhatsApp and I use Signal. Those are really good. There's oh, there's nice. several other ones, but those two are much better. Like it holds it when you when someone calls. Like and I, if I know I'm going to be voice texting a lot with a friend. I like make them get the app. And then also, you know, I do creative consulting, so I work with people one on one, and we do nice. sessions on the phone. And then between sessions, I used to get into these long email exchanges with people asking questions and. Uh, that's really hard for me. Like that takes me so long, but I can talk like as everyone here knows. So I just have people do voice text with me. And so they'll send me a signal and I'll send them back with a question about something. So I'll also, you know, as I'm talking to my friend Crystal or I'm talking to my friends, Aaron and Noah in, in Australia, and then I'll go in and I'll, you know, answer some work-related questions or questions about, you know, it doesn't even feel like work. The people that I get to work with, it's so creative and and cyclical, the process that they do with them. So that's really cool. And so I, I love those apps. And then, you know, I, I listen to the podcast while I'm walking, like my, my podcast editing, like I edit while I'm walking. So I'll wow. go into Dropbox and I'll, I'll listen to the episode how other people would listen to it, right? Like I'm listening in headphones, I'm multitasking. And so then I can I can know like what needs to go, what needs to stay in. And in the notes app in my phone, I write down timestamps of like, I want this cut out, I want to keep this in, or like I need to move this here. So so that's how I can do it. And a lot of this came out of necessity. Like I didn't want to be sitting alone in my studio apartment. I don't have a office or workspace it's hot in there like I just I wanted to be out and walking and and this allows me to to do that and there's even this app that I use too it's called Speechify do you know that app I feel like I've heard of it but I don't know what it is every penny and it can take any article or any link or like I'll put an email in there and it reads it to you and that's really useful for me too of like again slow reader fast like auditory learner so that's been really it's really good for people with ADHD it's like it's a really great app and I also put like my if I'm you know recently I did this like I'm I've been working on this essay for like a year and a half and a zine for like I'm very slow with a few things that I will come out very soon but I put those in there and then it's like version 750 eight or you know whatever and then I'll listen to it while I'm walking and you can you know everyone knows this right you know the best editing tool is reading something out loud you know so when you have someone reading it out loud I'll just notice mistakes first of all just like straight up typos or like oh I meant challenging and I said change or whatever and I'll take a screenshot and I'll like highlight what needs to change so that that's really helpful And because I noticed that if I do that, just sitting down at my desk, I'm not as likely to hear it 
even if I am listening because I'm looking over here, I'm in a different tab. The stimulation of walking like probably yeah. helps you focus. It really, really helps me. So that I think walking with a combination of all of those apps and and we use Asana for the podcast, which do you do you guys use that? The project management? We have used we've all used Asana on the team before, but we notion. I thought you meant that you record in Asana. <laughs> oh, no, honestly, I wouldn't put that past me. <laughs> I know. I was like, that's a great sound booth. <laughs> well, no, it's a multi-purpose container. <laughs> I think that's so int- So much of what you said resonates because I think why I have been so drawn to podcasting as a listener and a creator is because I also learn very quickly auditorily. But hearing you articulate how you've had all of these workarounds to find what works best for you. Oh, I can't edit the podcast sitting at my desk. So I can't, this isn't for me. It's like, no, actually it works for me when I'm in motion, when I'm walking and you figured out an entirely new system. And it's so great to hear you articulate that because it's such a good example of this wasn't working for me, but it doesn't mean that this thing is not for me. I just need to find a way that suits my learning style. Yeah. And I, I had a lot of shame about like not being great at school and not being great at, you know, I was fine in school, but like I got through it, how I've gotten through everything else, which was like, you know, I think I baked cookies for my college math professor to like get me through those courses you know what I mean so like I did fine but it was not easy and I think knowing again like going back to I I had a lot of shame being like well I'm not actually smart if I'm listening to audiobooks or I'm getting my information that way like I'm not well read actually it turns out but I don't know if this is true or not but I, I feel like it's like However you get the information, if you're listening to it on an audiobook or you're reading it, like, I don't know if one is better or worse than the other. Like, I don't think we should have a moral judgment with that. I'm with you. I mean, one of the smartest people I know gets pretty much his information only from video and audio. And we're so lucky that we have all of these other forms of information to pull from. And I think to your point, like, we should have no judgment about that. That's mm-hmm. really like a gift. Yeah, I, I think he'd like this app. <laughs> yeah, a speechify. I'm I'm all about it. I'm also obsessed with this podcasting app, Descript. Katie, you would like it. I think you would like it because you can edit. Basically, it'll transcribe everything, and you can edit from the transcription. So you can highlight a sentence and then delete it, and it just pulls the exact audio. Cool. It's incredible. And it's very easy to use. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a good edit. It doesn't sound like, wah, wah. it's really amazing. They should sponsor us. I've, ter- I've told so many people about this app. We should. We should. Let's put a pin in that. <laughs> we got to reach out to them. <laughs> I, we, we'll talk about it for free. So seriously. seriously. <laughs> what would you whisper to you five years ago or you when you first moved to LA? You could you know, pick a time. What's something that you would kind of just whisper gently in your ear? Oh my gosh. I think I've learned more in my last few years here in LA than I did all of my 20s because it's just been truly wild, truly nothing I could have conceived of. (laughs) And honestly, I think, gosh, I think I had to move through everything exactly as 
I did to learn what I needed to learn. So I would probably honestly just say, like, buckle up. It's going to be a wild <laughs> ride. Like, you know, there's a world in which I would say that. Or, you know, maybe I would say, like, try to not be so attached. Try to, you know, diversify where you're putting all your energy. Because I think I, I do as much as, I, you know, we're talking about friendship and these lessons that I've, I've learned. I'll, and I seem really, you know, emotionally and socially aware it's because of trial and error. <laughs> it's because of getting too attached here and not enough there and putting all my eggs in one basket and wishing that, you know, there's this, this line of the, like a parquet board song where I think they say, I want to not want this so much or something like that. And I think I would say something like that to myself of like, just, calm down you know like I get really excited about things and people like a golden retriever where I'm just like I'm so excited to be here and I'm, that I, I lose myself a little bit like I get tongue-tied of that analogy that I gave from my friend Maddie where I'm the anxious person in that situation so I, I was especially when I first got here because my life was in such a malleable place my career was in such a malleable place I was looking for anchors everywhere and trying to, to find them. And, and the world was in such a wild place. So it was kind of all these factors converging and it feels really uncomfortable to be an anxiously attached person around an avoidantly attached person where you're trying to get that validation of reciprocal feelings or to get some sort of connection with people you're, I'll speak for myself, I was mirroring whatever they were doing, right? So, and this happens in friendship dynamics, this happens, whatever. But I was finding myself, everything I was saying was like, hoping that it would be something that they liked. And I, I would do this with, I've done this with so many people since I've moved here, where I'm trying to be liked, right? Where I'm I'm not wanting to disagree with them because I don't want to rock the boat. And I'm not, I'm, I'm really a shell of myself. I'm not really, I'm not really being myself at all because I'm, I'm trying so hard to get those, you know, that validation. And that's such a shitty feeling because you can't connect from that place. There's no ability for connection. And that's really scary because you also feel misunderstood by the other people because they're not actually seeing you. They're seeing this shell of you. So I would try to, I try to keep it tight, but I would try to explain that to my, cause that's something I've learned recently. And my, my experience of, of trying so hard to be liked and pushing and, you know, and, and I would, I've done it, you know, since I was a kid, but I think we can't control, this is what I would say. We can't control how other people feel about us and how they perceive us. So constantly being in my head and running through these three questions, what I'm terrified that they're perceiving me as, what I hope they're perceiving me as, and what are they actually perceiving me as, at all, all three at the same time, like a ticker tape, then I'm missing the conversation. Like I'm not really there. And an interesting experience of editing my podcast is that I can see whenever I'm doing this with another person, right? Because I go back and edit it and I can see like, 
Oh, you said that out of ego. That was your ego. Your ego just wanted them to know that you also know that person. And part of it is like kind of noble. It's like I wanted them to feel comfortable. And I went, but the nice thing about the podcast is that I can edit it out. It just comes on out. Nobody knows <laughs> we love that about this medium. <laughs> but in live unrecorded conversation, like that's not an option. So it's made me more aware of like, oh man, you didn't really need to say that. You don't really need to insert yourself there. You didn't really need to, you know, so I'm just, I'm really being discerning and trying to, you know, like the four agreements, be impeccable with my word. And that's something that I have been learning so much and so rapidly in the last two, three years since I've been here that, you know, again, easier said than done. And I don't know what Don Miguel Ruiz would say about like when you get tongue tied around someone or when you feel uncomfortable in a dynamic or, you know, this happens with strangers or it happens with, it's not just ancient avoidance. It's like, Anytime someone feels uncomfortable or you put someone on a pedestal or you, you feel uncomfortable, you're very likely to go into that mode of like, how am I being perceived? And then there's not connection. And then that creates loneliness. You get no dopamine from that react and you're depleted and deflated. And so I'm really trying to like, that's something I can't stop talking and thinking about right now. That's, I think the third time that book has resurfaced recently, I feel like in conversation with people, it feels like one of those books that is now, we're talking about what is canon, like in the holisticism universe. And I feel like that's totally one of them because it just constantly keeps reminding us of these very basic, very difficult things that we're always striving towards, but noble pursuits. It's such it's such a good one. I I love that one. I I read that like once a year. I feel like there's a couple books that I read. You know, the Artist Way is like a big one for me. I think it's something cyclical, but also it's like take what you want, leave the rest. You can go in with one agreement yeah. and zero. I don't know. <laughs> Katie, where can people find your podcast, your work? What's happening in the Katie universe? How can people connect with you? Oh, thank you. Well, I'm just a Google away. I'm at Katie Dalebow on Instagram and let it out. The podcast has its own Instagram. It's let it out with three T's because one was taken and my <laughs> website is let it out with three T's as well. And, you know, I do one-on-one creative consulting and then I have this workshop called in process. So I am launching that again, which is really cool. So it's about like people in process, people who, you know, it used to be called creative underdogs because it's people who have a lot of interest and do a lot of things, but want more focus and want more connection and, and making things is often very lonely. And so I wanted connect. So we do a work session together. It's, it's cyclical. And I've been doing it since the beginning of the pandemic, but we meet three times a month and we do you know, kind of like a Dharma talk where we'll talk about whatever's coming up for me. And then everyone shares, you know, kind of what they're working on. Someone started a coffee shop in, in the last one. Someone started a sake brand. Somebody is a writer, a yoga, t- you know, it's like everybody. It, it's so lovely. And it's a real extension of the podcast. And, and then we do a work session together and I bring guests in and it's, it's really lovely. And the theme of this one, I'm, I'm changing a little bit how I'm doing it this year, but this year it's going to be, each one's going to have a theme and the theme for this year is focus. So Mm. that's going to be cool if people want to learn about that. And then I, the podcast is called Let It Out. I have a second podcast called Spiraling, a mental health show that I co-host with 
my friend Serena Wolf, and it's about anxiety. And we're doing season four of that, which is starting at the end of September. And my, I have my podcast course, if people do want to start podcasts that, that you two did. So that's called the Podcast Kit. And it's great. We recommend it. Yeah, you're so kind about recommending that. Truly, that like meant so much to me. Oh, it got us started. I mean, that is like the most incredible case study because this podcast is so incredible. I feel like a couple of months ago, I was either with Michelle or I texted you maybe like a year, like a long time ago. I was like, everyone is talking about your podcast. Your podcast is incredible. Like I was, it makes me so happy that I was even, you know, part of this incredible show happening. So I'm so, it's a real full circle to be here. Well, thank you, Katie. This is so much fun. You're just such a wealth of knowledge and I love watching you grow as a, as your friend. Like I'm always so impressed by you in so many different ways. And I don't know what you think, what you believe your sacred work is, but I feel like watching you and getting to witness you, like you are like being human and teaching the rest of us how to do it <laughs> with grace. And that is such a gift, like, because so few people get, get that and like get that opportunity and take that opportunity. So like, just thank you for being. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, so I can't nice. wait to re-listen to this already. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I feel that way about you, Michelle, and like watching your work. I mean, it's, it's so inspiring to me, truly. Like I don't even use that word often. So thank you so much, both of you. Thank you so much, Katie. This was such a treat. Okay. And that's our episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like the 12th House podcast, if you could give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, we would honestly pleasure our undying love to you forever and ever. We'll remember your name. We'll shout you out. We'll be securely attached to you. Yes. As friends. <laughs> and we wanted to read this week's five-star review from Ashmarie333. Continues to get better. I've been following along with holisticism for about three years. I personally find it inspiring. I don't listen to every episode of the podcast. That's okay. Listen, that's all good. Hey. But I listen to at least a couple of months, and it's one of the only podcasts I find myself coming back to. The classes are also top notch. Highly recommend. Ash. So sweet. We love you. We love you, Ash Marie, triple three, 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 three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, just give us five stars. That makes a huge difference. We love making this podcast and offering it to you for free and getting to interview incredible people and the more wonderful reviews we have the more downloads we have the better people we can get on this podcast it so really thank you in advance for helping us out thank you and we'll see you next week with a, another creator series episode bye see you then bye the 12th house is produced by yours truly wallace miller blanchard our theme music is made by nathan mckay and our wonderful editing is done by softer sound studios who you can find more information about in our show notes